We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob. Alongside me, of course, is Andy. We're here to talk about the tale of three out of four quarters in the Idaho game, alongside some special announcements later in the pod. But that's that's a surprise, so we're going to leave that. For the end but there's the teaser for you if you if you want to stick around for that which you probably should and then why wouldn't you you're listening to this awesome podcast um but yeah stick around for for the little surprise we got for you but in the meantime andy how are you feeling on this monday evening i feel a level of confidence coming from you rob that i mean you called our own podcast awesome sheesh hey we are are rated five we have rated 4.9 stars on apple podcast i was gonna say you're gonna jinx it good thing I, we're not five yeah yeah we weren't yeah someone rated us like a four so like we're i don't we've uh we've already lost that fifth one um but you know uh, you know it was on the that, ice it was the it, ice guy it might have yeah 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 you know what on a side note someone i looked through the comments the other day and someone i think er, either earlier this year or early last year and i didn't even see this comment until a couple days ago said they were like please start a youtube channel <laughs> and i was like i i just like looked at the comment and i was like people people want us on youtube like that's a thing i'm feel like i'm so not plugged in i don't even know where to go the only thing i've thought of using youtube for is my dj mixes <laughs> yeah which yeah which is also a weird space cuz like you'd probably get dmc8 Oh, correct. Yes. Because yeah. SoundCloud is protected. SoundCloud's protected. I think live Twitches, as long as you don't record yourself, yeah. you don't get DMCA'd. Good but YouTube point. is perpetually you DMCA'd. Fascinating. There's really no good platform for it. Yeah, I've been looking around. I, I actually I looked I looked for one during COVID because we wanted to do something with our friends. Andy and I Andy is definitely like in, into the music space and the DJ space. I did in high school and da- dabbled back into it during COVID. But I mean, this is a long side story. 
Uh, but I looked up stuff, but I couldn't find anything. I think the easiest thing was Zoom uh, for a bit, just with friends. But then live streaming wise, I think it was it was the Twitch route. Even Instagram. I know some people. I know a buddy of mine who's in New York who DJs, and he did it through Instagram. And then Instagram DMC'd him at one point. <laughs> so, yeah, there really is no no space. There are a couple apps though, but. Uh, yeah, I posted I had one on one of my mixes on SoundCloud got pulled down because I had a Kanye track on there and they oh. reached out to me and were like, you got to pull it down. Mm. But yeah. Mixcloud, I'll shout out Mixcloud. Mixcloud was great during the pandemic, but this doesn't matter. This does not matter whatsoever. <laughs> we spent three minutes talking about how to DJ online without getting DMCA'd. Oh, what a great start. What a great start. You know what this means? It means the vibes are good because we're not like depressed. We're talking about other stuff. We are we don't have a real big worry in the world right now. Uh, what? Well, I don't right. think any of us are too worried. But anyways, all right. Let's let that's a good segue. No, it is, about the vibes. it is it is a good segue because this was the tale of two perspectives. That's what we're gonna call this. Oh, uh, okay, okay. The tale, the tale of, of two, two perspectives. But one was right. And one was right. <laughs> one was goodness right. for that. <laughs> that one was right. Well, and actually, ultimately, one of us would have been right. By the end of the game, one of us would have been right. Yes. But to be fair, yes. Yeah. In a world in which polarizing opinions <laughs> are too far to either direction, <clears throat> I think there wasn't an outcome in this game in which it would it would have have to have been i think there's one scenario that it could have been if cal had won but had won let's just say 2117 yeah then no one's happy i yeah yeah no, no one's happy you no still one's get ha- the win you you're not tarmacking wilcox but i mean some people probably would have wanted to what's the what's the home home field version of tarmac macking? just letting them go on the field <laughs> i i guess they've already done that before they did that with uh herm edwards right they they basically offed him in the end zone yeah <laughs> so that has happened before the, okay. the field is no longer a safe place it's not the, yeah yeah the the stadium is no longer a safe haven it is it is not no, it's not protected but since we're talking about this anyways andy I was not able to make the game this week. I was incapacitated and was watching from home. The first home game I had watched from home in quite some time, which was a nice feeling to a certain degree, not having to do anything, just going to watch. But you were at the game for a bit. Um, tell me, what were your what were your vibes um, for the game? I thought the vibes were great. Very, I was very casual about this game extraordinarily casual about it Mm -hmm. so much so where my initial plan involved bringing eva so thank goodness that didn't happen because you wouldn't have would not have been there yep diana acts that one real fast (laughs) then i once that was out the window i took the perspective of i'm going to show up 40 minutes before the game begins and stay for an hour and then i had to leave because of a previous commitment well i go i went to 
almost I'm trying to think of what it would be in comparison to the right for California tailgate, almost like a tamer baby boomer generation tailgate. So you're talking about the right for California retirement tailgate. <laughs> and it's great. It's a bunch I, I, of old I blues diehards. They make the best food. That I, sounds awesome. Yeah, shoot, I shouldn't even say that. It's not a comparison to any other food. Damn, I'm in hot water. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and watch. I'm just watching you <laughs> trying to come out of this unscathed. <laughs> It was it was not intended as a comparison, but it was a moment of weakness for me. They have an array of food that is brought in potluck style. I'm not editing this whatsoever. <laughs> that is fantastic, delicious, and robust. <laughs> adding as many adjectives to those <laughs> sentences that you possibly can come up with. <laughs> but it's a great group. A yeah, bunch, it sounds like it. A bunch of old blues. Uh, they were my neighbors growing up and they have been inviting us to this tailgate I want to say 10 to 15 years. It was the tailgate that I knew before the Right for California tailgate and it's the one that my parents go to every time they're going to the Cal game. So the last couple of weeks and I got to go with my dad and my uncle who was in town, which was amazing. And to spend that time with the family and catch everybody up in that group about, you know, the new addition to our family mm -hmm. and coming back. I, I think it's also fun somewhat because I get to talk shop with a different group of people that aren't as plugged into um, they are just as passionate as anybody else that you would connect with but i don't know if they're commenting on the blogs anymore yeah they're not as degenerate as we are like in the day-to-day -day. oh i mean i did see you arguing with a grandpa on a blog well i wasn't arguing about the football part of it nope but point stands <laughs> all right all right <laughs> all right <laughs> anyways the vibes are great it was awesome we walk in we walk in past fraternity row walk past my old fraternity and what do i see but an electrical cord a massive massive hundred foot electrical cord going from the second story two stories up to the roof to supply power to the speakers and i turned to the group and said that is a berkeley education right there <laughs> pure the growth mindset they were not gonna let the lack of power sure it would have been easy to i don't know run the extension cord up the stairs like a normal person but no we're gonna take the short route why not do it from the balcony and lasso it up to the roof because college it was great as we and what was so nice about having my uncle there is we were able to kind of talk about the historical you know the stadium and how old it is and all of the different things. The fact that it was on the fault line. I, there was a guy who was from Car South Carolina there. So I was talking to him a little bit about our history and learning about what their traditions were like, what the, the college town for South Carolina was like. So it was great. We we're going in. And of course, I'm like, yeah, we're going to handle this game. No problem. Thinking North Texas 2.0. <laughs> Sit down in the seats. By the way, 
total side, and I'm not going to go down the full path here, but I, the reason why I was trying to get in touch with the ticket office is I, I need to change my season tickets. First of all, I don't think anyone from the ticket office listens to this. I accidentally purchased 65 plus tickets. <laughs> so I have senior tickets. Nobody thought to verify it, but I do. And that's, that's a thing. And on top of it, I love Section C. There's a lot of great people that sit there. But let me tell you, for what we do and the angle that we need to see the game at, it just it just doesn't work. You can't see any play for how much it goes for or any of that. So when we came in, I was like, no one's going to be at this game. Let's just go into JJ, my old or HH, my old stomping grounds, sit down and get that like 20 yard line angle and be pretty close to the field. So you can actually see how it progresses and just squat on somebody else's seats. And it was great. And so that's why I was hitting up the office. I was like, I need to figure out if I can change these. Otherwise I'm just going to go sit in somebody else's seats. And so if I'm sitting in your seats and you listen to the podcast, please say hello. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be the guy moving seats who clearly wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> and maybe with the baby, you never know. Oh my God. Oh my God. But I get there, you know, decent student section, but nobody's at the game. Like why, why would they be? It's, it's Idaho. I didn't expect a big crowd or anything like that. Yeah. And then let me tell you, I go from, all right, we're going to win 50 to 10, something like North Texas to, Oh, their players look a lot more athletic than I expected. Their quarterback looks a lot more dynamic than I expected. Our D-line's getting zero pressure, and our O-line is not creating holes for our running backs. And I was like, okay, we're down 3-0. And then I think I texted you at 10-0, potentially. I'm, gonna, I'm, looking, I'm looking up. I'm going through our chat. <laughs> I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find out what point you said what. So... Uh, let's see, Saturday. Oh, 1.36 p.m. I get a text message from you that just says, um, <laughs> and I, I'm going to hold off on what I say. I think that, that, that was 10-0. I think that was 10-0. I, I 10-0 was, um, I think you're right. Cause the game kicked off at 12 or no, it cut, it kicked off at one, 136. Let me look at the scoring plays. Uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it right. Sounds about right. Yeah. 10, right. 10, 0 sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 10-0 was, um. Um, yeah. What um, came what came next? <laughs> well, do you want me to just go through the game first and then we can just talk about the game? No, I just we just need to the play out the full <laughs> You meltdown. need to play out. You play out uh, you play say, by play. You say um and I say it's quarter 1, everyone needs to relax. Uh I I can I can give you the timestamps too. That was 137. At also hilarious being in the stadium. <laughs> I, I have no Twitter, so I don't know if anybody else is melting down. So I get that text from Rob, and he's like, everyone needs to relax. I'm like, okay, so people are pissed. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's melting down. Uh, right after, two minutes later, 139, another um. This time with this time with one less M than you first sent me. Still still about six M's. Um, and then you say, it's 10-0. You ask me, are you on the sideline? I say, no, I'm at home. Uh, <laughs> and then we, we talk about that for a little bit. And then you say at 146, uh, you respond, they have outgained us 150 yards to 40. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we talk about that for a little bit. And then at 150, you text me, um, again and say, not worried about the defense. Uh, and then I say, the offense will be fine if we can clean up these drops. 
a couple minutes later, uh, <laughs> a couple minutes later at 153, text back, I think you got to consider pulling Sam. <laughs> yeah. Eli getting no pressure. 17-0. This might be curtains for my guy, JW. <laughs> That's at 201. And let that be known. It's the first time I've ever <laughs> I've ever even put that out into you know what the thought. the funniest part about this timeline is at so at, that's at two oh one right two at two oh one p.m. You text me this this might be curtains for my guy JW. I text you two responses at two oh one and two oh two, and exactly at two oh eight, you text back saying signs of life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how if if any fan was in that stadium. I actually honestly think. I'm sure people would disagree with this, but I wonder if being at home helped because I'm sure it does. The collective, if you're, if you're watching at home and you're not on Twitter or you're not on the blog, you're not on the live chat, you're probably just like digesting it as it's happening kind of can be pretty analytical with it. But when you're in the stadium and you're with your uncle who hasn't been in the U S for a football game and I don't know how many years, and your dad and you just told everyone that you were going to smack Idaho and <laughs> it's 17 you're sweating. zero. You're sweating because because they think of you as the analyst that's in the know. <laughs> and you're just it's just flat out wrong. There may not be a better response than just writing um with as many M's as you see appropriate. Yep. Yep. That was unbelievable. <laughs> the, they were gaining yards at will. We've talked about it before where we've talked about taking away the belief. And it was one of my biggest complaints about UNLV was because when I sit in HH, you're right on top of the opposing team sideline. And one of the cool perspectives that you get is you can actually feel the energy of that team, the spirit of that team. And what happened at 10-0 was clearly they were ready to surprise us and they expected it. They weren't, and I'm not surprised, honestly. If you were an opposing coach, wouldn't you just like pull up the Colorado tape and be like, yo, l- look at this team. They have a pattern of this behavior. I mean, plus they were 2-0 coming into this game and they had already beaten a, a Division One team. So it's not, Good point. it's not like they were trying to, it's, I mean, David and Goliath, kind of, but it, it was like we've kind of been there, done that type of mentality. Who'd they beat last year? Uh, well, Washington they beat, State? They beat Nevada last week. I know they beat Nevada, but like last year, did they, they beat a Pac-12 team too, right? Uh, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, point, okay. point, point's the same. And so you feel, you feel the energy that that team has and the, and the confidence. Yeah. And I want to specifically, this, this is, this is what, so... We're down 10-0. Yep. Fourth down on our goal line. They're going for it, of course. Yep. And they come up with almost like the a QB draw up the middle. Yep. And get it. I, and I will say the defense played well that drive. There was yep. like this insane leaping catch that guy. So they had a lot of nice plays. So they get it. Two of their players run off and start to celebrate with the I don't know, 17 Idaho fans that were there. Yep. And the front row, 
and then another two run off towards our section and our you know hands in the air give me the noise we're here and i just was like we're not even talking about a team that had confidence we're talking about a team that was expecting to win yep at that point yeah up 17-0 yeah nine minutes left in the second quarter in the second quarter they're about to drop 50 on us and it was very hard not to go worst case scenario and abandon all faith. It was very hard because the the offense thing was biz- it, I wasn't worried about the defense to the degree where I felt like the only area that concerned me was that we were not getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Everything else I just felt like they were making good plays. But the, the pressure concerned me because that was such an obvious issue last last season. Mm-hmm. But offensively, you know, we had the like we had the uh, drop on fourth down. Yep. That was devastating. I felt like Sam was just I so here's my here's my thing about Sam. And this is what we did in the second quarter or second half that made me feel somewhat validated on it, which is if you're going to play him, play him as a dual threat quarterback and get, I know you don't want to do it because he already got hurt on one of those plays, but without the designed runs, I don't think it's as dynamic of a threat as, as obviously as it could be. Yeah. And therefore, my head went to okay who is the quarterback that can at least read a little bit more of what the defenses are given giving him and i've just seen sam miss too many reads and be too slow i had such a good angle this week i had that it was almost like a suspicion last week and then when i had the these seats where i could actually really see i was yelling for the ball to come out and then he would make the throw four seconds after, which is an eternity. An eternity. There were just these screen plays where like the ball has to be there and he's holding on to it. He's double clutching. There's just too much of that at that time. And like this is not an indictment of my guy, Sam Jackson. I still hope we have the fat head moment. I'm big, I'm still a big fan, but it was just what was in front of me. I was simply just observing what i saw in first person on the field was the reads were slow and there was indecisiveness and when he was stepping up into throws like the throw the touchdown pass he almost overthrew on a wide open wide receiver there was no reason like he threw that ball as if that was like the tightest coverage in the world (laughs) there just wasn't it was a broken play it was wide open and i think that's something that he has to learn you have to be able to read that and say, okay, I don't need to throw this so that my receiver has to make a toe tap catch in the end zone on a play where there's no defender within 15, 10 to 15 yards. I don't know. Maybe that's completely wrong. It's just my personal take. The, the other was there were a couple of throws that were airmailed and I honestly, you could see like he does his whatever, like five step or seven step drop, but then he would, Instead of, I think, making the initial throw directly from that position, he would take time to get like 
an extra like, crow hop before delivering the ball and he would just sail it. And I felt that Sam was just a bit, a bit like maybe too excited, trying to do too much. I don't know what it was, but I wanted somebody with experience and that's what Finley gave us. So that was all of the first half. It was absolute, or sorry, the first, the first quarter and a half, if you will. But I want to stop there because I've been talking for a while. So, mm-hmm. Rob, I would love to hear your side, which is <laughs> the other perspective of watching from home. Yes. Um, there's a few things. I think uh, I think this is a great discussion to have because I did see, I, I, I think, a lot of the comments on the site, too. And particularly because I go through the rate the game uh, comments. I help Sean compile those comments. So... I go through and I get a very good feel for what the fans are, what the rest of the fan base, you know, in a sample size is thinking about and looking at. And, you know, of course, the big question or the big topic at hand is is Sam Jackson's play. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's let's talk about the first thing. His experience, right? How you wanted a more experienced quarterback. Andy, do you know how many uh, games Sam has completed at playing quarterback in college? Three. That was his first game. Full game. Full game. From from beginning to end. Okay. Trick question, but fine. <laughs> Full game. Yeah. Um. He, I, I think this is just a learning and growth process for all of us. And it's just like, I, I'm not going to say that some people aren't going to be proven right. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that the opposite of like him exploding into this amazing Kyler Murray type, you know, dual threat quarterback in college is going to happen. But we just, the sample size is just too small and the experience numbers are just aren't there. Right. I think, the 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 point I made with someone I can't remember who I was talking about this, but the point I made a little bit was like, this might be how UCLA fans first felt when they got DTR. Like that first two years with DTR was like, oh god, like there were moments, but there were also moments, and I kind of felt like that was this game with Sam. Early on, definitely were like heavy moments, 
And then there's also some spicy moments like that touchdown throw to Jeremiah Hunter. That was a spicy pass. <laughs> that, um, was, that was definitely not the play. Well, like, I mean, I think the play was there. I think it's it's one of two options, right? Either Jeremiah ran the route too shallow or I, I can't remember who was underneath, but the the wide receiver underneath ran it too deep. Pulowski said you would never run a post that way in that situation. So, yeah, I saw, but we won't know. We don't know what the play call was. So we don't know yeah. who messed up there. Um, yeah, he just said you would, it's not unheard of to have that be a, like a double post. But he said that in that situation with that, like with being, with the end zone in play, he said you would, we would not do that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's probably, it's, I'm, I'm like 99% sure it's a depth issue. Of like how deep you run your route, I just don't know who made the mistake. Hey, um, it worked. It worked. It was a touchdown. But that I think that's all in all. That's my point. Is like we we don't know what we have with Sam, and we won't know what we have with Sam um, for a few games because that was his first full game. <laughs> like, and his first full game at quarterback didn't feature his best offensive weapon. So maybe Washington is where we find out. But then, like, do we also give a caveat to Washington? Because Washington is just playing out of their minds and we're playing in Seattle. Um, so I don't know. I honestly don't know how to how to grade Sam um, so as of right now. My question, Rob, for you, and I was thinking about this in the car today, is where, one, it's like the impact of expectations. Right. And what we set ourselves up for in the same way that we set ourselves up for higher expectations of what Auburn could be. And it wasn't, I'd fell into the same trap this week where I felt that Idaho would be a little bit of more of a statement rebound type of game than it ended up being. Sure. What are your expectations for the season? Realistically, like not the preseason pod hype but is this season a season that we're pushing all of our chips in and saying we're all in that this team Mm. best transfer portal class top 15 transfer portal class that we've had well are we moving our chips in and saying we're all in or are we saying that this is a building year and that really Next year is the first year of the ACC is the first year where we're going to push in and and make that step, if you will. God, that's such a good question. And you know what's funny? I was I was thinking about this today, too, because. God, this is this is something I didn't want to talk about, but it's going to lean into it is I was watching. um who said this? I can't remember who said this, but I was watching one of those, uh, you know, sports talking heads. And they were talking about Colorado and Dion, right? And what they were saying was, what, why Dion is scary is because it sets up this precedent of who, where's our Dion? Who is our Dion? Like that, they're they're gonna go searching 
for that lightning in a bottle that that unicorn but that's exactly what dion is dion is a unicorn dion is one of one like he's the way he's gone about his business the way he holds himself the way he approaches the game of football as a coach there's no person that's going to be able to replicate that to any degree why i mention this is because you talk about the expectations of the offense and and the team and is this a rebuilding year like is this the year where we have a new coordinator i would argue i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna kind of argue two points here i would argue that yeah we can't really say anything because this is the first year of an offense and we put up 58 points in the first game. Like, clearly this offense works. But the point Avi made to me as a counterpoint to that a few years ago is no matter how good the, how good of a transfer portal we had, the, the sheer inability to recruit offensive talent under Bill Musgrave, no matter how good the scheme is, is showing here because we're not getting separation at the wide receiver spots where we're not able to execute certain things at a high level consistently. And that's where the, it's just the talent drop off that we get a little bit from the offensive side. But then the flip side of that argument that everyone's going to bring up is like, but Dion's doing it. Right. They're doing it with a 75% turnover. They're and, doing it. And Clemson isn't. Exactly. And Sonny did it last year. Yeah, well, I mean, Clemson also only recruits high school kids, right? Like that's no, but thing. that's what that's what I mean. Yeah, the oh yeah, 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 yeah. Clemson as a counterpoint to that example is is very important. Yeah, but they lost. They lost to Duke. So they've openly said we're not going to engage in a transfer portal, and yeah. I think they are quickly finding out you can't. You can't. Yeah, it's that's just you can't do that in modern football. I was like college. back in the day when the baseball, and you would have teams be like. Nah, we're we're not leaning into analytics. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna lean into our scouts the old fashioned way, and then it was like, oh, okay, you guys won fifty games, cool. Like, keep leaning into your scouts. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, you just see that see that transition. Look, it's the Billy Bean thing. It's the, it's the line from Billy Bean from Moneyball, right? Adapt or die. And like. That's kind of been the theme throughout this this entire collegiate football year is like everyone's adapting in some form or fashion. And that's where it's going to lead me a little bit to the optimism on this team is because from my perspective, Wilcox has adapted. He brought in a guy whose offense is easy to learn because of the transfer portal and the consistent turnover you're going to get at these skill positions. But at the same time, it's a prolific offense that can get you points points that you need. He's also adapted the way he calls games too. Did you ever think that we would go for this these many fourth downs in the first three games of the season, considering what we've done the last six years? Absolutely not. <laughs> so it's it's a new age. And like we're gonna go through some of these growing pains. And like, you know, everyone yeah I Everyone's going to harp on the same points that want Wilcox out that they've been harping on for the last, I don't know, two, three years. Um, but that that's just not my like fandom rooting style. I'm like, until a guy's out, I'm going to support the guy. Then once he's out, thanks for your time here, and then you move on. But that's me. But so in terms of your question about expectations, 
I don't think it changes that much. I still think that it's not a we're not a move all our chips in and go all in on this season. But like, yeah, we need to show improvement this year. But the part that sucks and that Avi brought this up, which I think is a great point, is we might have improved as a team. Like we actually might have taken a step up. But it just feels as of right now, every single other Pac-12 team might have taken two steps up. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a perfect storm of everyone's competitive nature and competitive team just taking one step up. And it leaves us in the same tier as we were last year. So two quick points on that. Full plus one whatever random tech phrase to, to that. I read The Athletic top 133 college football teams article every week. Yep. And we have been ranked 60, I think, after week one, 47 after week two, and 40, I'm sorry, I think I misspoke on 60. I think it was like 43 after week one, 47 after fifties. Yeah, 47 after week two, yeah. 46 after week three. Yeah. If you look at Wilcox's tenure, I can remember the times that we were in the 40 to 50 range. I'm pretty sure that one of those years was the year that we won the Red Box Bowl. That's 2018. Remember that, what, and remember what you told me that year? Wasn't that 2019? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. 2018 was Cheez-It. 2019 was Red Box. And, and that offseason was the one where CBS was Cal might have the best DBs in the country. I mean, there was so much hype from that program. But yeah, I, I think that's true. I think Cal probably is better. And But that just would, I think if you talk to Nick about that in real life, and hopefully we'll have the chance to do that soon, he'd probably tell you that's why I've been writing all those damn articles that talk about taking advantage of when you have a moment, like when you have a window. Yep. The window was there yep. the last few years in the Pac-12. All of a sudden, Oregon hires Dan Lanning. USC goes and makes a ridiculous hire in Lincoln Riley. You have Washington hit on like DeBoer. Yeah, like an amazing, well, I was going to say, like what looks like to be a pretty amazing hire. And then Jonathan Smith, man. The, it's just like it's actually like the only one that really hasn't been able to do is Stanford. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you could give Stanford like the Astros because it is year one. It is year one? They look way worse than I expected. Yeah, I mean, but they lost a bunch of their roster. So like, yeah, but you know, it, yeah, it is what so, it is. So I I do think that's true, and then I do want to just spend a little bit of time on Dion. I I was thinking about this on my walk this morning. I was outside. I was like, why? Why do so many people hate on Deion Sanders? And I listened to the Rich Eisen podcast episode with him on it. First of all, Rich Eisen said that Dion was one of his favorite people in his life and one of the best people that he knew. And then Dion came on that podcast and I was blown away. That dude is amazing. I'm a huge fan. 
and I root for Colorado. And I don't think everybody does. I understand why not, because I feel like he's pushing the boundaries on, I don't want to call it the fabric of college football, but I can't really think of anything better. I think he's pressing up against some of that structure that's been in place. And you kind of feel it's like the, the way that things should be done or the way that things have been done. It's like the unwritten rules of baseball where you had these younger players that were, you know, pimping home runs a little bit and you know, maybe spending a little extra time after making a nice play in the field, admiring you know, just a little bit, little bit different than what some of the old guys would do. I feel like that's what Dion is pressing up against and that there's some of this backlash comes from that comes from the fact that he is outspoken. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He has gold blender sunglasses on. He's very, but, but also when you listen to that guy talk, it is awesome. And the things that he's talking about with his team. And one of the things that he said today, I think one of the most common things that I've read about Dion on our blog was some joke about classroom performance. And one of the first thing that he said in that episode was 85% of these guys aren't going to have a career in football. And it's my job to make sure that those guys know what they're setting themselves up for in regards to success. And I don't know. I was very impressed. I think think it's good for college football. I'm really glad. I kind of wish we were playing Colorado this year because it would just have been fun to experience the excitement. And I fully expect Colorado to get whooped by Oregon because I think they should have lost Colorado State. Well, anyways, I'm on a complete tangent. I think that the expectations for this season, if you told everyone that, hey, we're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, we're going to change the identity of our program, college football landscape is changing very rapidly, which gives us the ability to rebound from a larger graduating class faster, you probably would pinpoint seven to eight wins and then take that back. And the problem with winning seven games is you have to lose five. And we say this, how many times have I said this? I've said this like every single season when I predict seven and five. Yeah, seven sounds okay, like good enough, right? Wilcox himself says bowl games are the expectation. That's the minimum. Seven games is fine, but you still lose five. And boy, are people pissed when you lose five. People are pissed when you lose one. (laughs) And so that's why, that's what goes all the way back to Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson, to me, If you told me there's two things at play here, if you told me Sam Jackson was going to be the quarterback for the next three years for Cal football, I don't even know if that's possible with his eligibility, but let's just say three years. I think it is. I think you would take it and you'd say, okay, great. Then this season is going to be what it's going to be. But then then the next two years, to your point, we watched a lot of DTR that first year. And he, he, that's a great comparison in the sense that I think Sam and DTR shared some similar misses, right? I remember Thompson, like he would, he would have a, 
a game where you have like three touchdowns, but two picks or three touchdowns, three picks. Like it was very, there was like mistakes, but Chip Kelly was like, no, this is our guy. We're going with him. And he stuck with that and then developed into by his last season. He was unbelievable. Yep. And obviously complimented by Zach Charbonnet and that, that, that team was excellent. But I just don't know with the uncertainty of the portal. Now, do you get Jaden Ott next year? If you only win six games, do you keep Sam Jackson next year? If you only win six games, the I <laughs> first thing I thought of when I was watching that Idaho quarterback was, are we going to go throw him a bag in, of NIL money and bring him in? <laughs> he did look good. I mean, but there's just no certainty anymore. No. And so expectations are, it's, it's hard to sell anyone on, to your point, it's hard to sell the idea of a rebuild or a long-term vision when people are going to be focused on near and short-term results. I, you know what, I, you know that's not a, there's not a, that's not a point I can like really rebuttal against, because it's like we, I don't have any counterpoints to that because we haven't experienced it yet. That's basically my my stance on it right now. It's like we're in un- uncharted territory because we're moving conferences next year. Like we survived. Like the the funny anecdote that I got from a buddy of mine was that like recruits that haven't talked to us for months have reached out to us after the ACC announcement. <laughs> like we survived. We don't know what that survival means. Like to, to your point about like is, is six wins enough for Jaden to stay? Like, well, we won we won five last year and he stayed. So I think if we won six or seven, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna err on the side of I think we can get him to stay. And you know, seeing like all the NIL donations and, and just the the donors and the alumni base just kind of be a bit more galvanized over like the last month or so since the ACC news. It's been great. I think it's like I think it's it's perfectly what the what the program needed. It's a shot in the arm. Um, but the counter, I guess the counterpoint just to that, that I think everyone's going to be yelling as they listen to this pod, is you still need to win games. And I think that's the thing that everyone was pissed about for from the from the Auburn game because that game was for yours for the taking and you didn't take it. You got to take the wins when you when you get them. Yeah, but. To your point, the the downside of immediate success of a Sunny Dykes at TCU and of a Deion Sanders at Colorado is that the leashes will become shorter. Yep. If it will be and and then my question becomes is college football then ultimately just a game of stepping stones? Yep. Both from a player side and from a coaching standpoint, because the coaches will then hop around faster and then your programs above them, the universities will be willing to move. I mean, Mel Tucker is a good example of that. Wrote a hot hand, got a big deal. I mean, perfect example of <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Lately, And don't be don't be a, an absolute idiot. But uh, there's some really bad jokes from the lines you just said, but I'm just going to I'm not going <laughs> to say any of them. The. The the stepping stone point, though, specifically is really about 
the journey that I think if you look at Idaho and the success that they have, so let's say that coach goes on to have a really good season. So then a program looks at that coach and says, great, if I gave you a bag of money, could you go and create a, do you have a Sonny Dykes effect? Sure. Why not? Right. So then they take that leap and then the players, okay, Hey quarterback, you really flashed a lot again in that Cal game looked amazing. Where do you go from there? Do you finish your career at Idaho, Idaho, or are you, I thought about it too. I was like, did that coach go into that locker room and say, you are given an opportunity as an FCS player to go in. Essentially you have a free tryout to make it onto a PAC 12 team or now ACC, whatever, you know, power five conference, go prove it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It might be pretty motivated. I had a bunch of people not give me the time of day or not believe in me. And now I have an opportunity to step on the same field as them and show that I belong. And then on top of that, I know that I might get a hundred thousand dollars as a result of that effort, but there's no loyalty. And if there's no loyalty, I don't know what we can bet on happening and what we can't. No, I don't think we thought J Mike was going to leave last season. And yet he did. So I don't know what the future holds for a Jaden Ott. And I don't know if we can't replace Jaden Ott with another Jaden Ott from, I don't know, a different university that is essentially a stepping stone to Cal, right? And that's why I go back to this like stepping stone now. It's just like, in some ways, you're like, yeah, it's kind of like corporate America. Yeah, I guess it is. But if there's, I don't know. I would love to think about like, what is, is that the world that we're entering into? And I think a lot of people have talked about it as like true free agency. It doesn't quite feel that way, but how we build loyalty, how we build retention and focus on retention as a program is going to be very important going forward. Because if we bring in guys like Sam Jackson, he develops under a great quarterback coach like Spavadol, and then, Texas A&M comes in and says, hey, here's a million dollars come over. And now that you've had that growth, you can go lead an SEC team to victory and become Johnny football. We're going to we're just going to be ultimately become a developer of talent. Rather than. A brand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the only counterpoint I can make to that is like. That's like it's it's painting college football with such a broad and large brush that like, you know, like the moment J. Mike left, we're like, oh, great. We lost everyone like, oh, it's gone. Hunter's probably gone, too. Maven's probably gone as well. But then all of them stayed. So where is Maven been? Uh, he's been day to day. Ah, OK, because yeah. I th- I heard his name was like, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> He's been day to day, and he had a little bit of he had a chance to to get some reps in. So I think that's why they threw him on on there. Um, well, yeah, uh, I mean, just just to kind of wrap up this like large point before like we talk about the game a little bit before we move on to, to Washington. Um, it's it's we're like we're facing something new every week, <laughs> like some new facet of college football that we did not know existed, but now is like in the essential DNA of the sport. 
and it's I feel like this is going to continue at least for the next like three, four years. And we just got to adapt. There's nothing else we can do about it. But we'll we'll see if this ACC move ends up us being a feeder club or ends up us being a, a premier program. We have to we have to adapt. There's a lot of things I feel we have to adapt at the same time. The expectations, the measured reactions to the results on the field, or we have to have more measured reactions to the results on the field. I, I don't know, man. It's in some ways, I think it creates an argument for somebody like Wilcox, who's the tenure actually, in my opinion, helps us. Yeah. Because the likelihood of Wilcox perhaps leaving is is less than a, a true up and coming coach that found that fire, that spark, and then immediately wants to jump into that big next guaranteed contract at a, at a bigger university. Or, you know, I, I do think you're right. The ACC helps a ton, but it's a, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And I think that plays into, into how we look at Sam, because if, if it's just, if you looked at it in, exclusively were able to say that Sam wasn't able to transfer again. You knew that he was a known commodity. The only possible loss for Sam was, let's say, him going to the NFL in two years. But you're guaranteed to have two years. I think it changes your entire perspective on how you evaluate this team. But because you don't have that security, I have a feeling a lot of people are like, well, damn, Maybe Ben Finley time because <laughs> you're trying to find a known commodity as fast as you possibly can and give yourself that security in the smallest window that it's ever been. And it's lost this idea of development and that it used the luster of that that it used to have. I think I'm convincing myself that in two years time, it will just become minor league football. Yeah. I think I've just arrived at that. I, I That could easily be the, the case here. All right. Well, that was a long discussion. Um, some some other points. Andy, do you want to talk about maybe a little bit of the coaching or maybe the defense from this game? Yeah. I did have one story that I want to talk about here, and I don't even know if I can really talk about it on air. <laughs> The I was watching specifically the quarter matchup between Noel Williams and one of the players on Idaho. Was it the tall guy or the speedy guy? <laughs> I I think it was the tall guy, but it was like the sideline was yelling a lot at Noel. Yeah. During the, and <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this on there. At one point, I watched Noel turn to the Idaho sideline after I think the receiver made contested catch or something like that sure and it looked like idaho was driving downfield so it was 17 14 and he turns and he just like gestures to the sideline that like he like puts both of his hands down as if like and he's just like yeah like <laughs> it just goes like you know it was like the the big balls oh yeah 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 you know yeah yep. right the, so he just, the clay thompson celebration yeah so he just like 
<laughs> Dude, he just breaks that out. I'm like, what is going on here? And I shit you not, man. A play later, interception. Noel Williams. Yep. It was unreal. It was yep. unreal. I I had this thought because I think we talked about it earlier in the podcast that the identity of this defense didn't need to be built around turnovers the way that it kind of was with the takers or with some previous regimes under Sonny that were a little bit more prone to actually like creating it and depending upon turnovers. But we yep. have created a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And there were Idaho was extraordinarily lucky there weren't more. Mm-hmm. And I've come around on that. And I think, all right, maybe it isn't luck. And that the takers was an identity that came out of really creating turnovers. And that if you brand it and, and, you know, do all those cool things that some universities do with whatever the turnover chain or whatever, whatever (laughs) it's going to be. You can build identity from that. And that's what the defense showed me. And they made amazing adjustments at halftime. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't like Idaho stopped moving the ball, but it's really hard. It's I, I got to imagine it's super hard when you're playing against Auburn and they're playing much more conservatively. They're punting in fourth and four. They're punting in fourth and nine. And then you go and play Idaho's like, I don't care at all about field position or anything. We're going for it in 70% of the situations in which it's going to come up. I just like went. It's a totally different game, and and to the to Idaho's credit, they made some amazing plays to convert some of those. But at some point, I think regression. To your point, regression had to happen and had to hit, and that was that was the second half. Yep. I think a couple of things that I'll bring up before we move on to Washington and fan questions. Uh, I think one, the reason I was telling people to relax was just because we've seen co- this coaching staff make adjustments. You wanted to see this coaching staff make adjustments. This was a great opportunity to see those coaching staffs make adjustments, and they did exactly that. Um, in terms of the defense, like Andy, you bring up a good point about those turnovers. A lot of the times, I, I need to go back and watch some of those taker games because with a lot of these turnovers too, a, a little luck comes into play. Um, our dear friend, uh, coach Jesse would, would say that it's, that's not true. You need to create your own luck as well is what he would say. Um, but I think there was a little bit more luck involved with the takers and we lucked into a lot of those turnovers. And I think if I remember correctly, the turnover mark, the turnover numbers, like we were top two in the country and turnovers created, I think until that Utah game. And then the numbers dipped significantly. Like they, it's just unsustainable. But with with the with this team, the turnovers on the back end are and even the fumbles are being created because of how the guys pursuit and how the guys tackle. Andy, here's here's the here's the fun uh, here's the fun stats that come out with our PFF uh, subscription, right? Well, I'll, I'll give you one side fun one. How many tackles do you think Shrek and Ifonse? forced uh or forced misses off of in that game oh how (laughs) so many yeah (laughs) i don't know there's like plays alone that were like six seven 
don't know. Between both of them? How about, can I do one of them? Well, I, the number I have is both. Mm-hmm. All right, give me a second here. Look, I, give me a second. No, no, I can find it for you. I can find you uh No, 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 no. Let me see. I'm going to call I squared. And then, yes, he had, they had about 210 rushing yards total. I think, like, after contact, they said, like, 110 over, I don't know, 20. I feel like you're going to skyrocket this. 25. Uh, subtract 10. <laughs> <laughs> but it was 8 from Afonso and it was 7 from Stradic. What? I Dude, yeah, right. Yeah. I saw Isaiah bounce off of, like, at least six dudes alone in that <laughs> that play where he got down to the one-yard line. Anyways, that's that's just a fun stat. But the real stat I wanted to get to is this. Andy, they, Idaho had – let me pull this up real quick. Total offensive plays, right? Idaho had, Idaho had 72, all right? And this kind of is a good segue into uh, some of the fan questions because they're talking about, like, where's our front seven? Why aren't we getting pressure? Like, where's this and that? I think we are getting pressure. That's – I – that's how I. That's how I've been watching the games. I think our our front seven is probably the best it's ever been under Wilcox. But the point that I'm trying to make here is Andy, seventy two plays, right? How many of those seventy two plays do you think we got pressure on the quarterback? Uh for the first half, dude. I swear it felt like. Maybe none for the first quarter and a half. Sure, but just total in the game. But and Carlton was creating a lot of havoc in the backfield in the second half. Um, I'm guessing based on the way you phrased it, maybe it was like 15, 20. 32. 32 total pressures on seventy-two plays. So almost fifty percent of the time. Yep, twenty-six quarterback hurries. Five quarterback hits, one sack. And for me, if I go back and rewatch this game, a lot of those hurries or hits was like one finger away from getting the sack. Yeah. Like we were, we were, were like, even, and even in the Auburn game, that was the case too. We were just that one little half step away and we're getting closer. And I feel like there's going to be a turning point in that in the in the havoc rate, but still to have 32 quarterback pressures on 72 offensive plays. If that's not creating pressure, I don't know what is unless you're only counting sacks and tackles for loss. No, I guarantee I could almost guarantee though after sitting through that seven like the first quarter and a half and what there dude that they he had so much time in the pocket, a lot of that. When people were in the stands, like, oh, what's going on with our secondary? I was like, this isn't on the secondary. We're not getting any pressure. And then they dialed it up. And then they and then they dialed it up. I mean, so good adjustments. But I can also see the flip side of it, which is it's pretty easy. Dude, there's like there's PTSD there a little bit. We we really didn't have we haven't had a good pass rush in a long time. I think that's what it is. There was part of me that. I had the thought too. I was like, I really missed the Tim DeRoyter defenses because we would run a lot more disguised blitzes and just different 
things in my opinion that would put the pressure under or put the pressure on the quarterback in different ways because we didn't have that front line that was really able to dominate on 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 its own and so we had to rely on the skill of the secondary and the defensive backs and our great linebackers to kind of cover the and and then allow us to send an extra guy or you know run a guy off the corner or do something like that and i just don't i didn't see it as much in, in, in keep like in the in what I saw right the first half and sure. of course I didn't see the second half so I don't get to have the benefit of being like and there it was so I I can see both sides I see your side where it's like this is where we're getting towards and also by the way game three still think there's a lot to learn about this team and then the flip side of it if you were next to me in the stands I think you'd probably have the same takeaway as everybody else which would be like we weren't getting any level i was shocked like even brett johnson wasn't even getting like much much done on the defensive line for the first quarter like it was shocking especially when you're like this is an fcs team i think that is also one of the caveats where if it gets auburn you're like yeah okay much bigger athlete i mean wilcox even said it it's like no disrespect to idaho but Washington's going to be a totally different assignment when it comes to athleticism and size. Yep. I yeah. I the only counterpoints I'll make to that is, and I, I think this is a good segue into Washington because, all right. So here's my take. Here's my take on what went down with the defense. We played a lot of zone in that first quarter, and we played a lot of zone when we played Lou on the outside with Noel Williams on the other. The reason I think we did that was because we were testing out some things for Washington. And I think the moment, because I think size-wise and athleticism-wise, I think this was a good uh, team to play that against with their two wide receivers because we're going to be playing that type of team next week with Jalen McMillan and Roma, Roma Odunze like on, on the Washington sideline. And I think they tried to test some things in that game to see if it will work. The only reason they had to switch, and this is where it happens, is they went down 17-0. And they switched back to their base. They switched back to man. And that's the that's the exact moment that we started to clamp down on defense. So that's that's my take and my like my reading the tea leaves uh when I rewatched this game. It was like a oh, I kind of feel like we were testing some things for for Washington, and then it didn't go to plan, so we we decided to turn it up. Which I don't know how you feel about that type of game plan, um, but regardless, like the adjustments came, which was adjusting and changing uh, our game plan against them, and then it clamped down their def- our, their offense. So that's that's my take. On what it just we're, is, what we're it seems slightly counter to what Wilcox is saying in the presser, but it makes sense. In a way, it's overlooking your opponent. You're like, we have enough skill where we don't have to. I mean, to, yeah. I mean, the entire week last week, Wilcox was like, oh, we we expect having Jada not. <laughs> I he's just and so funny it. about this stuff. I don't. He's like so. It's dude. I it's, I kind of wish he just came out and was like, yeah, dude. Jaden didn't play. Guess what? It's football. And we needed them to prep as if he was going to play. See, but that's like that's like their thing. That's like a that's like a coaching thing. Like we want to know as the fans, 
But like if they can even get the slightest advantage over their opponent, they're going to take it. They're going to take it. But Dion would say it. I'm just saying. Dion's like, hell yeah. We needed to make sure that they spent time in practice <laughs> as if Jaden was going to play. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. We got to get the questions. Yeah, we got to get the questions. All right. Here we go. First one's from Sid. Maybe a hot take, but I wasn't worried about losing against Idaho. See, she was with me. Wow. There are people like me, Andy. There are people like me. <laughs> that is amazing. Right there. That's the first sentence. But I know we can't come out like that against Washington. I think Andy and I both agree on that one. What are the three keys to winning the game against Washington? Side note, I'm not processing that this is the last season of the Pac-12. Crying. Um, you want this one, or do you want, do you want me? We'll give what we'll go for like one each. But what what do you think? What are what's a key to winning the game for you? Why don't you take it, and uh, I'll add in. Sure. Okay. Uh. Out of the research that we've started doing, it's crazy because the writers in our Discord channel, we've already started do we already started talking about the Washington game and how we could potentially win this game um Saturday night. <laughs> we were talking about it in there for like a good two hours, like with Peter and Christopher and, and T D and, and some of those other guys that watch like UW games. Anyways, um some interesting things of note. They lost their star running back to an ACL injury, I think a couple weeks ago, and he was out for the year. Um Kalen DeBoer in his presser today uh, announced that their starting center is out for the year. He also said that they're probably their best. One of their best corners is out for the foreseeable future. One of their starting safeties, uh, Asa Turner is also week to week. That's a lot of guys starting to go down. And then also he added this anecdote that Jalen McMillan, like, I don't, I, I think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to sit, sit this out whatsoever, but he did say, that like they're watching Jalen day to day, um, just to see if he's if he'll be good to go by Saturday. So there is like an asterisk on Jalen McMillan. And then their two interior guards aren't very experienced yet. There's a there is oh there is a avenue to winning here, which is attacking them. And forcing them to put a double team on one of our defensive linemen, which is most likely Brett Johnson. Which, by the way, Andy, since you weren't you weren't there, uh, you weren't watching the TV broadcast. They did mention that Brett Johnson has been on a pitch count. When that pitch count increases, I don't know, or if they ever take it away. But this game seems like a game that you could probably increase the pitch count for. So I think if you do that, and the defensive line is able to get some hurry or pressure on Penix. Penix isn't a runner. That's not his style of play. So if you're able to do that and you get a couple of sacks in and force them in a, you know, second and third and longs, there's a way here because their run game has been non-existent, basically. I think they averaged like 97 yards rushing a game despite their passing offense, like averaging over, you know, 350 yards per game. That's the I think uh, those injuries attacking those injuries, plus those, um, plus that front seven I think is the way to go, and it's it's weird but like Sherman, DC like defense coordinator Sherman, somehow always seems to have like Washington's number in their offense like always forces Washington to have a a really tough game against us. 
I think that continues this week. And and Wilcox too. Yep. Wilcox as well. I don't quite know if I want to add on top of that as much as I I expect it to be a close game. And the it's the same key to this game as I feel like Auburn, which is being able, we need to show that we don't need to win on the O-line. We just need to show that we can be like very competitive yep. with Washington. And the same thing goes for the our D-line versus their O-line. Yep. And that's been our story for so long, but I, I don't think it changes. The one point I want to touch on on what Sid talks about is I've had the same thought too. I think I'm going to miss uh, one of the upcoming Pac-12 games at home. And then someone asked me if I was available for the Washington State game or the weekend of the Washington State game and said, hey, can you, whatever. And I was like, no, that's Washington State weekend. They're like, well, who cares? It's Washington State. And I was like, I do. It's the last, <laughs> it's time, the last time that yeah. I may see Washington State play Cal. That is super significant to me. So I think it it is like we're here. This is it. This is I hopefully there's a tradition of continuing to play each other, but who knows? There, there's nothing guaranteed with Not any more. of these opponents other than Stanford. Yeah, other than Stanford. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yep. All right, moving on, Andy. Got another one from Adams. He said, I don't think this game tells us a whole heck of a lot except that we need to seriously improve on offense and special teams. And the defense can't continue to take a quarter and a half to get going. I think that's true. I, You know, the thing was, you know, it's hilarious. Because I don't know if you saw the pressers, but Wilcox came out and he's like, we didn't come out flat. And then, like, the pressers with, like, Noel <laughs> was like, Noel was like, yeah, we came out flat. <laughs> <laughs> Wilcox doing his best job to protect his players, and the players like, no, no, it's on us. Which I, 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 I'm for. They're taking responsibility for, for their play on the field. Um, yeah, special teams is a little bit of an issue. Um, Andy, I don't know if you saw that final. Everyone's like, everyone's talking about Luckhurst, but I think the final, by all accounts, I think that was a bad call by the ref. I think that second field goal at the end of in in the fourth quarter, I think that, or the third quarter. That should have been counted in. It went straight over the upright. The entire like Cal side thought it was in. The players thought it was in. It it if you watch the replay, it even looks like Idaho players think it's in. <laughs> like and it's just the one ref is like, no, it's not. So uh, by all accounts, I'm gonna count it in. And so uh, yeah, he hit. He basically hit two forty yard dingers. So that guy deserves a ton of credit for. I'm so glad they ran him out and put him out there for all the extra points for all of those situations. No, they said uh, they ran a kicking competition in the week between him and Mateen and Luckers won it outright. Yeah. Which is even crazier. So battle. He battled. He He competes. He battles through adversity, just like Wilcox says. All right. We got a couple other ones here. Uh, Unless you have some other thoughts to what Adam said. No, sir. Okay. Uh, some other QB biggest concern. Sam Jackson has tons of potential, and the flaws we feared are more or less true so far. Uncomfortable pocket, 
doesn't like to throw in midfield, trouble protecting himself. I know the staff worked on all three things in the offseason, needs to show in game. Look, once again, it's his first full game. And if you want a little bit of optimism, you want me to give you two fun stats, Andy? Cal is o is one and o in games that Sam Jackson has finished. Cal is two and o in games that Sam Jackson has started. <laughs> oh, Rob, are you all aboard on the Sam Jackson hype train? I'm just saying I'm not willing to give up on the kid yet after one full game. Hey, <laughs> look, I mean that rushing touchdown. I was like, there you go. That's, that's why. Yeah, yeah. That's. That is why we had the hype. I mean, the guy is his. He has to learn how to run with the football in a. <laughs> he needs. He needs to go to the Ron Gould Dude, school of uh, protecting the football. Seriously, man. Yeah. There are some plays when that, like, he is just like. I understand that your hands are big enough to grip the football and you feel good about it, but it doesn't matter if somebody else hits your arm. Yep. Like, yep. You have to tuck that. And to some degree, I'm sure it's keeping a defense honest to a point where it's still out like that. But at some point, I would wish I would see him tuck it. And on that touchdown run, he did. And that touchdown run, run was a thing of beauty. That was amazing to see. Look, if Sam Jackson continues to develop across this season and can add the running component to his game, defenses are going to have a hard time containing him. He has the where he's going to be kept honest is if he can make the right read and hit the throws that need to be hit. I think Wilcox keeps keeps talking about like these wheel routes that we're missing on. Like these are not hard passes and those are not hard reads and we're not executing them. Those are the plays that are going to come back to haunt you and we didn't have we didn't take those downfield we didn't test it downfield like i felt like we at least were willing to kind of take the shot this game i saw that a little bit more and i like that i think one time we threw into double coverage with jeremiah and i i personally didn't mind it i mean you're against an fcs opponent you throw in double coverage to your best wide receiver and they somehow come up with an interception and it was third and long anyways. It's effectively a punt. Like that's I'm okay with that risk, but we got to take those shots in a big time game so that we can have the defense guessing with the full potential of what this offense can be with Sam running it. But if we're going to continue to do this sort of like, ah, it's like, you know, a little bit more hesitant and we don't want to put them out on designed runs because we don't want him to get hurt because of the shoulder injury or whatever. I don't see that vision as much. And so for me, I'm kind of with you. I'm like full send on Sam, but don't give me this like watered down version. Like I just want the full thing. Give me the full experience. That might happen. That might happen this week. Yeah. We never, we we, we just don't know. Um, We got some other ones. Anything other than six wins feels unlike, which feels unlikely. We have to move on from Wilcox in the offseason. I'm not having the whole like Wilcox. We'll talk about Wilcox leaving when it gets to the offseason. Why are we doing this in the middle of the season? It's the three tone games of your in. voice. The tone of your voice is so good. It's just, it's so, it, I'm sorry, man. I, you know what? I, I respect all opinions, but it's just getting annoying to the point. Like, we get it. People want Wilcox out. Talk about it at the end of the season because it's not happening midway through the season. 
Um, next one from Just Alex. First half, burn it down, fire everyone. Second half, <laughs> perfection. We may never lose again. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was it. Yeah. That was the roller coaster That's of the, emotion. Yep. God, there's another question about like Wilcox after. What what's Wilcox's most likely job after Cal? Could he be interested in going back to the Midwest or Northwestern? Look, he doesn't need to think about the job after Cal because he's still at Cal. <laughs> I've long felt that Northwestern's a good fit. Maybe I I fear it in the sense of if but, he did have two seasons in a row at Cal of good success and they wanted someone that you know they're building a billion dollar stadium you could probably make a splash year higher but as someone culturally that would fit that program defensive mindset has you know, experience there like i actually think i understand why it's it's kind of funny to me though and this is a side tangent that everyone keeps talking about like wilcox wants to go back to the midwest they not realize that he like grew up here on the on like the west, on the west coast. coast yeah like he went to college here He's most of his coaching career has been here. The only real coaching stop out in the, the real Midwest was at Wisconsin. But to be fair, it's it's a money thing. I mean, yeah, but that's different from like him being wanting to like they keep saying that he wants to go back to the Midwest. That's fine. Yeah, you're fair. I do think Northwestern culturally is a good fit. Uh, I mean, with the academics, I think it, it, it makes sense. The same um, way I would look at Washington being a good fit if Wilcox had two good seasons in a row and then Kalen left. Sure. Yeah. But they're on the big 10 now. So it's like, where could you possibly move? SEC. But yeah. Anyways, that's a different topic for another day. Uh, Tyler asks us a worthless game or it says a worthless game to take anything away from other than we're going to get our teeth kicked in at UW. You know, I'm just, I'm just, that's the, that's the negative negativity that I've come to love that I have no access to on the good old Twitter yeah, universe. I'm just, I'm just on fire today, like reading these tweets. Cause I'm like, like, I don't know, man, like go enjoy the game. Like don't go in thinking we're going to lose. Like the whole point of fandom is the optimism. Like if you're, if you're not going to be optimistic about your team, like there's no reason to be a sports fan. <laughs> if you did, if, can you imagine being a sports fan? And, and this is not about you, Tyler. I'm just saying like, it can, can you imagine being a sports fan? And thinking that your team is perpetually going to lose. I mean, come on. That is the Cal experience. We don't think we're going to perpetually lose. When we lose, we say, yes, we lost the way we thought we would lose. Yeah, but there's definitely a, a faction. Dude, even even Nam, who's probably one of the harshest critics of the program, like, before games. Oh, he gets hyped. He gets hyped. Yeah, but, but I think there's others that are saying... Yeah, wake me up when we're competitive again. And I understand it. Yeah. Washington has beat a Mountain West opponent. I don't even know. What is Tulsa? Um, um, AAC? Uh, yeah, I think so. And Michigan State, who didn't have their head coach because he's a loser. So. Oh, my poor boy, Noah Kim. My poor boy. <laughs> my poor boy, Noah. Uh, who. I don't see anyone on that schedule that's essentially tear like scary me. Yeah, they have a good offense, but they haven't this played our matchup. defense. This is I. I was talking to a Utah person today. I was like, I think this might be the best defense you played, and they were like, Yeah, I think you're right. So it's they know it's going to be a good test for them too. Auburn's offense looked a hell of a lot better after playing Cal. Yeah, that they did too. 
And I didn't realize two of their DBs are preseason all SEC. I did Auburn? Know, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that defense was good. Yeah. Um, all right, a couple more ones before we close out. Uh, Peter Simons, how about Alumni Band-Aid? Yes, our very own uh, Ben Pond, Don, a basketball writer, he was out there uh, on the drum line, which I thought was super cool. Um, and we would be remiss if we didn't shout out 50 years since they integrated the band. Super Absolutely. cool moment on the field. Absolutely. Where they brought out the first five women. That's so I cool. think it was five that were a part of the that first integrated cow band and it was awesome uh, it's just a really cool moment and um just i love that god the we took history that berkeley took the time to celebrate that at memorial stadium over like the last three years is so crazy agree yeah um all right we got a couple of last ones paul chiva spav knows that the run game is the key until sam jackson gets comfortable you double stack the box and dare to beat us uh dare dare him to beat us Isaiah Ifonse. <laughs> he ain't scared of anybody. I don't care. Can we get any pressure from our base D? When will our kick returners figure out that a fair catch in the ball in 25 is better than returning to the 15? Oh, my gosh. So valid. That's a valid point. I think the last one's super valid. At the middle one is we kind of talked about earlier. I think we're we're getting there. We just it, The stats just don't show it, and like it doesn't show in the sense of like, Oh, he got a tackle for a loss, or oh, he got a sack. But I feel like it's coming. Um, the last one comes from the real Nelly Pins. He says, I could only listen to the first half via internet radio, so WTF was up with that first 20 minutes. I think if you've been listening this far into the pod, I think you know now. I think you know, and <laughs> quick shout-out to the radio. I forget the name of the new guy, but he's pretty good. Justin, Justin Allegri. Yeah, Justin's pretty solid. I like his voice. I really Pulaski's like his voice. doing his thing as usual. I like them. They're good. It's not quite like the prime Starkey as uh, as nobody could do, but it is good energy. It's different. It's different. Mm-hmm. Youth, I youthful might be a word I would use. Yeah, I think it's, there is there is. It's yeah. good energy. Yeah, it's yeah. good vibes. Good vibes. All around good vibes. Um, that's it, Andy. But uh, we have a special announcement because Right for California, of course, is having another watch party for the UW game at Tokyo Beer starting at 7.30. You can get tickets um, at Tokyo Beer's website for the event. The ticket to entry also includes a beer and a snack. There's two different packages you can purchase. Uh, and it, by the time you're listening to this, it probably should be on the Right for California website as well, so you can go find it there. But, Andy, what's happening before? Like, are we, are, do we have anything for the pregame? Like, is someone going to be there to get us hyped for this uh, 7.30 kickoff? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, we absolutely do have the hype leading up to the game. I'm going to be on the DJ decks Woo-hoo! at Doke Beer. Woo-hoo! 5.30-ish to 7.30, bringing us all the way up. It's going to be awesome. So I will be there. Unsure if Eva will make a make an appearance, but hopefully... Maybe early on. Maybe early maybe on, early depending on how loud the music is. Yeah. But yes, if you like house music, come on out. 
I don't take requests, but I'm always down to meet any of our listeners. Please say hello. And then we will turn up on some delicious Doke beer and uh, watch Cal hopefully play a nice competitive football game. And, and we can either commiserate or, hey, if vibes are good, we all know Rob loves good vibes. Good vibes, baby. Good vibes. It's going to be awesome. Jack London Square this Saturday. Don't miss it. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really fun time. Um, yeah, so come out, meet the writers, uh, grab some great brews. There's good food. I believe uh, Santa del Santa La Torta. I think that's the name of the food truck oh, that's going to so be there. Good. They have they have really good quesadilla. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've heard as well. So yeah, please come uh, come through and hang out. There's a bunch of other restaurants in the area that are really good to eat too. And we'll be hanging out watching the Cal game commiserate together or uh, we'll be dancing the night away again. Um, maybe we'll get Andy back on the on the decks for after we beat you know, and pull Hot up. Damn. Hot damn. Hot Love damn. Love it. All right, that wraps it up for us here on the Golden Bear cast. And Andy, as always, what do we say? Go Bears. Go Bears. right back you did the intro for weeks <laughs> <laughs> like i did not take it right back i um, let you have it for as long as you wanted it uh, <laughs> i'm gonna put this on the back end i'm gonna put this on the back end as the <laughs> as the little cookie crumb after the the music <laughs> uh, i took the intro next all right. week all right all right here's my agenda rob intro vibe check Yep. Game thoughts. Yep. Larger implications. Yep. Next week and DJ set.